0: So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once.
1: Since our last talk, I've been working hard on not focusing so much on calories and really just focusing on the nutritious, the nutritious, dense, nutrition density of my food. Nutrient density. Yeah. Nutrient density. I'm like, how come I can't talk? Why come I can't talk no more? There's and adjectives are heart. <laughs> they are they really are um so adverbs, i don't even know what they do <laughs> i don't even know what they do um and Great so i'm for like making a southern accent out of that <laughs> you ready yes <laughs> i wanted to i actually meant to send you a picture of yesterday's food in comparison to last week last week's food so that we could kind of do a fun this is after this is after i talked with you this is what i adjusted it really actually felt good when you told me last week when i tried to show you that day where i was like i was trying to adhere hardcore to this amount of this amount of serving and this amount of serving and i just was ravenous and so sad, and you were like, "This looks like a punishment." A punishment well, for you. I, I think sometimes it's really important to back up because we've been working on this together for so long that I feel comfortable saying to you, like, Liz, this is punishment for you, like, because I can, I can get a picture of what's going on in your head when you're making these meals, and that's just from us talking about this stuff for so long. But I wouldn't necessarily say that if somebody else saw those pictures of food, that for them that would be punishment. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there was literally a ton of healthy stuff that you put in your face that day. That was great. But for you, it was not what you put in your face. It was the mentality behind you putting that in there. And that's what yeah. you're about, right? So yeah. I want that to be clear because there's no 100% right or wrong thing that you're going to eat in a day, right? It's, it's literally, it's a combo pack of like, what's your body asking you for? Do you know what your body's asking you for? How do you respond to that need? And then how do you feel about your response to that need? And if something in that sort of system is really far out of whack, you're going to end up with adherence issues, right? And I say adherence issues, like it's a kind of clinical thing. So you've had adherence issues the syndrome. <laughs> I mean it more of like, you're going to find it hard to keep the consistency that you need to generate to make the changes up if you're fighting with one of those aspects of the... Of that system, yeah. Uh, you were, well, that point is you were fighting with your feelings of like what you deserve to eat on two levels. Like, like from the point of view of like I don't deserve to eat real food because I want to lose weight and that's a bad thing, so I punish myself into losing weight. And also, like I don't deserve to enjoy my food because I need to lose weight. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, like a key thing you pointed out, honestly just taking away all the feelings from it a key thing that you pointed out was that I was eating a lot of things with a high water content like vegetables and not much with um, a high fiber content yeah which in my head I was like whatever vegetables are vegetables and even though I know better even though I know like some vegetables have way more fiber and will keep you satiated for much longer I was like whatever I ate a cucumber that's my vegetable but. And I did not, in fact, every time I eat a cucumber, even though I love cucumbers, I feel hungry after I eat one, like they almost stimulate my hunger. Well, and that might be a good thing for now, right? That might be your body's yeah. way of telling you, hey, this is good stuff, give me more. So, you know, yeah. eat cucumbers, eat five. see how it feels. There's no 100% those, and just to talk about the portion control thing, because, you know, I spend all this time talking about there's no rigid framework for eating, and I'm like, here's a rigid framework for eating. So that seems hypocritical, but the point is, it's it's a baseline. It's where we start. It's like, hey, here's probably approximately what's right for you, and we can use the nutrition calculator online to get closer, you know, if we want to. And we did that at one point. Um, Yeah, which is sort of the the goal is most of what I eat is nutrient dense, high quality food, right? Because that's what you deserve to eat, right? So everybody deserves to eat in line. It may be hard to come by where you live, but you deserve to eat that way. And we need to be working hard on making that available to everybody. There's no reason we can't, like from a food availability point of view, like it's possible. We just need to change our systems around and make it happen, but I digress. So bringing it back to this baseline portion control, right, that's where we start. And if you get through the day on the portions that we decided were a good place to start and you're like, nope, that was terrible. Then we change it. It's not like yeah. we suck it up, buttercup. You just need to like knuckle down and eat the amount of food, loser. Mm-hmm. Like literally we're trying to do the opposite of that. So that's what you've been trying to do this week. Yes? Yes. Cool. Okay. So let's, I got that email attachment that you sent.
0: So now okay. Look
1: at it. And I know some things will be like hard to to, um, to see exactly what it is. So I can explain. I mean, I'm still... Seeing a pretty balanced overall bunch of colors going in, right? I mean, you had a full rainbow on this day. Yeah. Good. And I had the oatmeal, like we talked about oatmeal yeah. with yogurt, berries, and carrots. And that is way more, way more satiating than just berries and yogurt. Like having that oatmeal really was helpful. Yeah. And if we talk about it from the point of view of like regulating your food intake, regulating your hunger is a large part of that, right? If you're if you're on a scale of one to ten, you're at a nine or ten of hunger every time you sit down to eat, your control over what you eat and your speed of eating is going to be really out of control compared to if yeah. you sit down and eat when you're at like a six or a seven of hunger. Yeah. Right. So last week we talked about pretty much feeling angrily hungry all day, <laughs> angry all day, which is what I would call like a ten of hungry, right? So every time you went at a meal, you were mad at it. Yeah, and I also felt like I was going to cry. It was like that kind of anger where you're like, I just need to cry because I hate this so much. Yeah, frustration, right? That's usually, we'll call that one frustration for the sake of keeping it simple. But it's I want to kind of ask you now, how did the carrot cake oatmeal change your frustration, aka your angry level, throughout the entire day? Um. I definitely, I just felt like it It kept me satiated for longer where I wasn't like, oh my God, when the fuck is lunch? And then looking at the clock and being like, it's 1030, God dang it. <laughs> so that was helpful. It was difficult to have it because I was, it, it, it is so hard to, to heal these feelings of like oh i see you're eating carbs (laughs) oh i see like that should be something that shouldn't be allowed if you're trying to lose weight there's still like this you know feeling there yeah it's it's a really big problem right now yeah culture is this idea that carbohydrates are bad for you it's like well yeah pretty much everything is bad for you because and broken down into the same stuff like this is the fuel your body uses whether you like it or not even if you're you know like your body still have to figure out a way uh-huh to turn it into a form of sugar that it can use for energy you know we can get sciency about it if you want to but the fact of the matter is like it's all carbs in the end yeah and you know what okay so i this for fourth of july i was with a family member and they, they told me, you know, they've lost 30 pounds during a low carb diet. Okay. Um, and but he was, you know, I'm really hoping he'll never listen to this. One. <laughs> um, I did tell him about my podcast, but like, so, uh, But he said he was going to, he was going to kind of just relax it for the 4th of July. And I just noticed because I was already kind of, I got triggered when he said that being like, oh my God, yes, see, that's the way, that's the way you, you cut out your carbs. That's the way, um, I noticed like for every single meal we had, it was like, you know, can I have more bread? Can I have extra tortillas? Let's make pancakes for breakfast. Like he, I could tell he was very much like, I need all the carbs I can get. Like, and to me now I know, you know, obviously I don't know everything that's going on, but to me, I was a little like, Hmm, it kind of seems like you're really obsessed with getting as many carbs as possible, like real hardcore pendulum swing. Yes. Um, Right. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have picked up on if he hadn't told me that he's, that he's cut out carbs, but I would not have picked up on it. I just feel like, okay, you like bread a lot. Right. Who doesn't like that? I I know. Oh, yeah. This is the great part about sort of stepping away from the diet culture and looking at nutrition as a a different kind of process versus a a weight loss only focused tool. And Mm -hmm. you start to see this this, this play out, this whole scarcity mentality of like, oh, well, it's only available right now because then it's not available anymore. So I better get as much of it as I can. Because yeah. it's going to go away and I really like it <laughs> and all the emotions start coming up, right? And so, and you know, I've lived this cycle. I did the low carb thing for a very, very, very long time. And it, it is a way that is successful at managing your physical weight. Okay. But that doesn't mean you're metabolically healthy. It doesn't mean you're physiologically functioning optimally. And it certainly doesn't mean you're emotionally functioning optimally. And I think optimally, and I think we've got to separate those things. Because We're talking about deep health. We're talking about how to be a full, functioning, engaged human being in the world. Like, eliminating an entire food group is not a great way to do that. Yeah. Right? You're, you may achieve a body that you feel is ideal, but mm-hmm. there, are, there are costs to that. Yeah. Just because you think that that ideal weight is your ideal body weight, it doesn't mean that that's actually what your body is happy with. Yeah. And that is really, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, because that's not you what you're know? told, right? You're just not sold that in the diet industry. The diet industry tells you that there's this very specific acceptable weight range and a very specific aesthetic goal that you need to achieve. And if you're not doing that, you are a failure. And this is especially punishing on women, but you're mm-hmm. starting more and more men succumb to this as well. I mean, I would say over the last decade of doing this, I've watched more and more men start to say and feel the same things. You know, I was in Target yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. This is sort of a tangent, but stick with me. I was in Target yesterday, and I was getting, like, deodorant, okay? Because the other Target I was at hadn't had my deodorant, and they're in the process of remodeling this Target. And they finished the health and beauty section, right? Right. And the last time I was in there, it wasn't complete. And what really jumped out at me was the biggest part of this health and beauty section was aimed at men. There were so many men's beauty products, like skin, like skincare and soaps and body washes and deodorants and aftershaves. And like all of these products that just didn't exist for men before. And they had really, really gone all out showcasing. And it really talks about, I think, or it speaks to a shift in the beauty culture of like, hey, there's this untapped market we haven't made feel shitty about themselves. They don't feel shitty enough about themselves to buy our stuff to make themselves feel better. We better put some money into this. And they're starting to be like, hey, I don't have to shave my legs. I don't have to like wax my eyebrows and do all this crap. And they're like, well, crap. Well, we better find a new market. And it's meant. And, and it's and it's also the hipster movement. I mean, they already oh, yeah. have a primed market. The hipsters are into their beard softening oh, balms holy, right, oh, so many beard and mustache products, all that you could ever oh. want. Pomades all the way down the aisle, right? And I mean, on one hand, I'm happy to see men taking better care of themselves because you know it used to be a thing of like, in grief, just please clip your toenails, you know, and now it's like. It's like, okay, please put the face cream down. You're shiny. You know, like there's no red here or your beard, your beard has gone over the line. You know, like you're spending more time for me. That's saying something. So, you know, I think all of this stuff, what the reason I bring it up is because this is what women have been undergoing for decades now. And it's really interesting to see the process beginning for the other gender yeah I mean gosh let's not talk about drag queens and how much stuff they have to do like they take it to a whole nother level of trying to manipulate this is about parents right they do an amazing job of it a lot of the time oh yeah it's like you know it's inspirational what they can do is change the structure of their face with makeup and the you know just the things that they have developed to achieve the look is really amazing I think it's amazing yeah right and I think makeup in general is costume work, whether it's a for men, women, or other. But anyway, I digress. We were talking about your, your food. But the point is, these social pressures that exist don't necessarily reflect the reality of deep health. Yes. You have to try to swim upstream if you're going to try to achieve deep health, right? Like, And then there's yeah. a whole other set of traps in the wellness industry that will try to teach you about what deep health looks like. And all you need to do is one technique or this one you know magical chakra aligning thing that's going to achieve that deep health for you but it always comes down to these commonalities eat enough nutrients right eat enough calories to be in balance with your body get enough movement to keep your muscles and joints functioning well get enough sleep to repair the damage you're doing daily by making all that other crap happen and manage your stress right so you know when you look at emotionally the the journey you went on when just building your meals, (laughs) it's kind of really impactful, right? Yeah. Across the board, it does, you know, it's very holistic because if you start taking care of yourself in one area of your life, you're, you're kind of encouraged in a way to take care of, to start taking care of yourself in other areas of your life. It really bleeds out, which is really, you know, wonderful. Yeah. Um, And when I was creating, now that I've been working on this for about a week for creating these meals, um, where I'm focusing, focusing on more nutrient dense foods, it feels really good, but I, um, to be honest, I feel there is, and I'm sure this will be not a shock to you, but I feel feelings of guilt. Or shame maybe arise and and be like, Hey, I notice you're eating like a a potato and like some peas and stuff, and I feel like you're gonna feel satiated. And that means that you're not doing a good job because you don't feel like you're starving. And even though I've worked so hard and I'm trying to educate myself and I've been watching this wonderful, um, who's that TikTok person you introduced me to? You know terrible things I know me too. That's why I'm like, who is that one person? But I found her also on YouTube. I've been watching a lot of her YouTube videos. Um, She comes from the the Calm Clinic, K-A-H-M Clinic. Um, She's a registered dietitian. And I've been watching a lot of her videos about healing your metabolism. Yeah. And trying really hard to re-educate myself. Obviously, you've been telling me this as well, but just trying to get more and more content in my brain that will hopefully help override all the fucking bullshit that's been in there for so long that still comes to me through social media I just it's really a struggle to not to just not say to myself like the less the better just suffer through it just fucking like suck it up buttercup you're gonna be hungry you're gonna suffer and it's gonna all be worth it yeah, it's, her name is um she's a registered dietitian. And her name is Elena, I think. Yeah, uh, Elena. I'm gonna butcher her last name. Please forgive me. Efford, Efford. It's yeah, it's, it's I don't. It's one of those. But if you look her up um, on Instagram or on TikTok, um, she does talk a lot about how how many toxic ideas there are out there um, with the idea of weight loss or health management or any of this stuff. And I think it is a struggle. It, what you're going through is really normal. And unfortunately, like I said, you're, you're swimming upstream. because You go to the 4th of July event and what do you see? You see reinforcement of all of this, you know, carbs are bad and I've even lost all this weight and look how successful I am. But it always comes back to, great, that's great. How long can you maintain it for? Because the the reality is, is he demonstrated to you in that very finite window of time you were exposed to him that he's not able to maintain it. That's not what sustainable looks like. Because sustainable doesn't mean you have to go on a vendor every holiday to feel like satisfied. Yeah. That's not long term. Yeah. and I think it's helpful to notice that. Although, of course, I'm making a lot of judgments. I'm like, obviously, I can see what's going on here. But I, I, knowing enough, I I'm I felt pretty sure that it was kind of like witnessing a pe- of a pendulum swing. Yeah. And that's a huge step forward, right? And you know, any change in like larger group mentality or group thing starts with a few individuals swimming upstream. So try to look at it from that point of view of like, hey, I'm trying this new direction. I'm trying this thing that isn't what everybody else is doing and not getting results from. Because the reality is like, the diet industry does not generate success. <laughs> that's the point. If it did, <laughs> if it did, it wouldn't really be a thing. We wouldn't have 75% of the country as overweight or obese. That wouldn't be the case. Yeah. Diet issue, that's, that's a very large scale experiment in failure. <laughs> I mean, it's, pretty, it's pretty big, but the, the way that they put things and the way things are sold to you is it's your fault, not theirs. Yeah, we didn't adhere to this program because it obviously works. See, see all yeah, you just need to get better discipline. And you need to are you even serious about your weight loss? Are you even serious like that? There is an element of focus and intention and work you have to put in to change your habits, but that way of framing it and you know, shaming and grinding people into feeling like it's not the system, it's them, is literally the problem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go back to what you were, what you ate that day, right? So we started talking about being angry and you had longer windows of not thinking about food and not being like really focused on your next meal because of what you ate in the morning. That carried through all day. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty good. um I found myself fantasizing less about certain foods. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, I felt overall. Like, okay, this is something that would be sustainable, but I'm really struggling with treats and the idea of treats. Um, I'm really, cause I remember last, last week you and I talked about how you can kind of have a small treat, you know, daily or you can have like a couple of bigger treats and in my head I was like I don't even know what that means I don't okay. even know because ever since to to be frank ever since that day I was really trying the um my punishment food day as you called it ever since that day I have like held on for some reason it triggered something in me so intensely that I cannot stop thinking about like eating a whole cake and still like a week later I'm still like I want to go buy a whole cake and just have at it. But I'm not going to eat a whole cake, obviously, because I don't think I would. I think I'd feel really sick. I just can't stop thinking about how much I want to do that. Right. Okay. So this is... It's funny because I was actually looking at another hand coach's. coaches. He's a really good writer, actually. His Facebook posts are really, really well written. I feel like he writes a lot of the stuff that we talk about in a really concise and friendly manner. And he literally did a post about this this morning or maybe he posted it yesterday. I saw this morning, whatever. Um, he, he did this post about like tools and you get to choose different tools for different things, right? Because what you're describing here is a longer term problem with treats and carbs and the mentality around food and shame and what you want to eat or what you think you want to eat versus what you should eat, right? And he talks about this client that had a it a hundred pound weight loss and maintained it for six years and he said basically you know he stopped eating pizza and beer he knew that that was a really big log in his log jam that needed to move to get him moving forward so he just stopped eating pizza and beer for a little while and it's like that may not be the strategy permanently to say i'm never going to eat pizza or drink beer ever again because it's bad for me but you may need to cut something out for a little while in order to regain some control and then come back to it at the place where you have the time and the emotional energy to deal with the bigger issue. And so you get to choose. We've talked about this before on this podcast. It's like you have to lean into some of these um, these cravings and these demonizations of food to get rid of them, because it's the scarcity mentality, right? It's like in your mind, eating a whole cake is a disastrous life event. If you did it, you would be a terrible person. It's to equivalent kill. to killing someone. It's equivalent to going out and. Freaking killing someone—that's how that's how scary it feels. <laughs> that needs to be addressed at some point, and you get to decide whether that's now or whether that's something you shelf and say, "No, look, right now, cake really just needs to stay out of my life because I know that I'm not going to get this under control the way I think is healthy and reasonable right now." And so it's like, are you in a place where you feel like you want to tackle that? Because one option would be get a whole cake, go get the whole cake. And sit down and intentionally try to eat the whole thing. Do it. Lean in. Go the other way. Right. Look at your face. Like I said, that <laughs> and your face is No. I was like, look at you. Like, are you insane? Right. Why does that sound <laughs> insane? Because it sounds like <laughs> it just sounds like you're telling. Again, it just sounds like you're telling me to go out and kill someone just yeah. to see, not just to see to take the power away from it. Just like with the fear thing we were working on of the fear of going to these social workout events, we've ramped it up, right? Yeah. So until you're ready to face that big cake demon, don't. But you you might have to get we've talked about this too, this idea of this, you're taking the power away from that food, from that event. Because you can eat the whole cake. Like physically, it's possible. Right,
0: it's unlikely you're
1: going to gain 20 pounds from eating the your cake, you're going to gain a couple pounds. Maybe so it's I'm unlikely gonna, I'd actually be able to eat the whole cake because I probably end up getting really, I have a sensitive stomach, <laughs> I'm getting right. really nauseous. And so, what you get out of that experience, I'll just ruin it for you, is that you realize that actually you don't mind the whole cake, and that even if you were given a whole cake, you won't eat it, and it takes the fear, the power of the fear, away because it's, it's just not going to happen. You can't be afraid of something that you physically demonstrated it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? I mean you can. I've seen people do it, but I'm saying it's it's one step in the process of trying to take the power away from the food. Now, if you don't feel like you have the space in your like emotional load at the moment, or in your physical capacity to do it, don't do it that way. But find a way to sort of start to face down that. Because I look at your, when I'm looking at your your food journal here, your visual food journal again, um, I see a lot of really tasty and satisfying things that include a treat. But somehow, when you've eaten this for the day, you don't feel like you've had a treat, or that you've had too many treats and you didn't deserve it. And that's where the work is. Is like I can look back at this day. And think, wow, I had some really healthy stuff. And I had a strawberry shortcake bar, which is my favorite. And it was yummy. Yay. That's not how you feel about that yet. Right? That's not how I feel. I guess I feel... I guess I feel um, what I really feel like is I just want one day a week to do whatever the fuck I want. That's what I feel like. I just feel like I need my release from prison day. Right. Because you still feel like you're in prison. I still feel like I'm in food fucking prison because like I, I feel like I'm just keeping a vice grip on myself. Like, even though I've been allowing consciously allowing myself treats, I feel like I can't let go of the mental burden of having those treats. This like wrestling with myself. Like you're so bad. Like so- when you cheat, if you, I mean, I haven't cheated on any spouse, but if you cheat on your spouse and you're just like, you just can't stop wrestling with this guilt uh-huh. and excitement about it. Well, and that, that's literally where the work is for you. Right? Yeah. So I've been married 14 years, which is like a long time to say out loud. It just does not feel like it's been quite that long. For me. <laughs> and yet it feels like forever oh, or but... Um, when I think about the idea that like, I haven't had any physical interaction with another man in 16 years, because that's how long we've been together, I don't care. And I don't care not because it's like, I don't know, this is a new analogy. Give me a second to sort of try to break this out well. (laughs) But I think it's really, really the same thing because your relationship with food is extremely long term. It's like, you can't get away from it. You have to eat. I started counting calories 20 years ago. Okay. You've been in that marriage for 20 years. You've got patterns established in that marriage that really don't work for you. Right? And it's like literally getting married, but feeling like you, you haven't had enough interesting sexual encounters outside of your marriage. So you're never satisfied with what you're doing. So what are your solutions there? Like, because this happens to people shift didn't come to me because I definitely I did just as much experimenting as anybody could reasonably expect to do before I decided to settle down. But my husband didn't and he'd probably kill me for talking about this, but he doesn't feel, you know, well. He's what he tells me he's like, he doesn't feel this like crazy wander lust either. And it's because there's no there's no big off limits things. Like even within our relationship, we've talked about like, hey, like you ever meet somebody. We're going to be in there forever. And at this point, it would be pretty impossible to find somebody else that has this amount of shared experience, right? Because there's no do-overs, really, at this point. Like, let's just talk about it and figure out if there's a way forward through it. It's not like you can never be attracted to another person. Yeah. It's insane. Never be attracted to somebody else. Like, if we set that paradigm up in our relationship, it would invite that feeling. Yeah. So by constantly telling yourself that you can't have a treat and that treats are bad, you're setting up the paradigm to want them. Yes, It is, and I keep bringing it up, it's this idea of leaning into treats. It's it's the idea of like, there isn't one day a week that you can have a treat. There's every day that you could have a treat if you wanted it. Do you want a treat every day? That was the real question. And then it becomes a question of, like, when you do have a treat, you haven't been bad. You just have a treat. Like, if I find some other guy hot, like, yeah, okay, there's of workmen around here right now, right? Because this is the construction site, basically, stuff. And we totally joke. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy's pretty attractive. And, you know, I'll say that in front of my husband. would be like, hey, he's pretty attractive. And he would be like, oh, yeah, he's got big guns. Or, like, some other day we were out at a breakfast thing, and I caught my husband sort of looking at Somebody's butt, and I was like, "Oh yeah, somebody else's butt." And he was like, "Yeah, you know, but because there's no taboo there, it's yeah." Fun. And I don't think like he's secretly wishing he was with that girl instead of me. He's just looking at her butt because like there's lots of nice butts out there to look at. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. You know, and that's fine. And I think the harder you try to restrict the bigger the issue you have and you spent 20 years trying really hard to restrict this with yourself because you have values set up that says any kind of non-ideal food is bad. For you. And so the yeah. only way through that is to lean in and to take the power away. But you have to be ready for that. Yeah. And then how many, I guess, <laughs> it's like, well, where's the structure within that lack of structure? That's like crazy. how many days? How many days will it take? That's the whole point. You don't you don't get to decide. <laughs> yeah. So I'm supposed to go buy a cake every day. Yes, actually, that's one way to do it, right? We talked about this of a few weeks ago. I know, I remember. I remember you telling me about this with your weird waffle things. Yeah, you- totally. Been there, done this, right? <laughs> and I think about that, it's been probably 20 years now since I did that experiment on myself. And you know, did I gain some weight? Yeah, a little bit. I did. I gained probably, I think it was three or four kilos, which is like seven pounds, right? Maybe seven pounds doing it. And at the time, it was like a constant white knuckle fight psychologically with myself to not freak out about that. Yeah. But over the course of the next 15 or 20 years, I always had that to fall back on. I'm like, yeah, hey, you can have the waffle. I don't care. It's really not that big of a deal. And then I never really had to like revisit that again. Because the fear that's there is that you're going to eat the cake today, and then you're going to eat the cake tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that, the day after that, and it's never going to end, and you just eat the cake. Which you have to find out that that's not true. You won't do that. I mean, I okay. There's maybe like a one percent chance that you'll do that. I guess the fear is like, well, wait, won't that make it a habit then? Won't I be creating a bad habit? It depends on how you respond to the eating of the cake. If you continue to shame yourself through your eating, yes, you will create a habit. But if you can sit there and eat that cake, give yourself the permission, and really be like, do I genuinely want this cake or not? Nine times out of 10, you will say, no, I don't really want this anymore. I feel bad. You know right now if you eat a whole cake, you feel bad. And you have enough experience moving your body and eating well to know how you feel when you don't do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So those are the tools and the skills you need to try to rely on to approach this problem. And I'm not saying you should do it without you know, support and help. I'm not saying like you just go buy cakes and them in a closet. <laughs> I'm saying do it with intention, do it with purpose, do it with the you know, the goal of this, this food this <laughs> food mm-hmm. this food has no power over me. Right? I mean it's that David Bowie thing. Uh take that guy's power away. Again, Jared the Goblin King definitely has power over me. You gotta know that this is in this is moving, right? At some point you're going to have to address these feelings in order to move past them. I mean that's like freaking what therapy's all about, right? And this is kind of like food therapy. I'm not but, you know, you, you can't just stuff the feelings down forever. Like at some point, you're going to develop a coping mechanism or strategy to deal with them. Yeah. And it's not going to help you if you haven't worked through them in a way that's productive. Yeah. It's, it's just so, it's so terrifying. Um, yeah. I feel like I need to be in like a clinic where someone's watching me to make sure I don't go overboard. But there it is, yeah. That's the point. I know that's hey, right. <laughs> It's the same thing. someone I, do, 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 I don't overdose on cake like someone went on heroin. But how could you do that? I mean, like, <laughs> have you ever seen what's that? It's an old, old Monty Python sketch for the Um The just that last outfit's nice. Like, and he, what's that guy's name? I gotta look it up so I can find it because <laughs> it's like famous it's like especially in England it's super famous like whenever you're Eric Idle John Cleese it, uh, it was John Cleese and he's wearing this like giant fat suit he goes he rolls into this restaurant and it's vile this is a vile sketch it's very very British it's very dark humor and the guy is like literally they get him a bucket. Would you miss her, like a bucket for a moment? You know and he's throwing up and they keep eating Oh yeah I actually remember oh, that. Can you imagine me? how fast that would be cancelled today? Oh for sure. <laughs> for sure. But it's, what is his name? Mr. Thoreau or something. Mr. Creosote. That's it. Mr. Right? Creosote? Creosote. Mr. Creosote. And it's this whole premise. It's like it's playing with the idea of what Right? And how far will somebody go? And the idea that you would eat so much that you would explode and vomit, because that that's the end of the... the Wait, didn't die. the Romans already prove that that's a thing? Yeah, yeah they did. They used to actually, they had vomitoriums, right? And So they would cut themselves and stuff themselves and they would go voluntarily throw up so they could keep it going. Which, you know, clearly is not great for you. However, freaking, freaking Romans with their sex <laughs> yeah. and their food. Well, but again, you know, they had the time and the space and the social organization to create opportunities to do that. And, you know, it's a great example because we also have the time and the space and the social freedom to create opportunities to do that. And so, you know, it's a good good reminder that just because you can doesn't mean you shouldn't. And these natural checks and balances that you have within your body are valuable, right? Because the idea that, you know, they're pushing this food on him in the restaurant too. It's like it's so horrible. This sketch and it's like he's like, oh no, I'm floating, I'm really okay. And they're like just they whack that food spice. Just one more. You're just a little bitch, you know. And like they bring it to him, and that's what makes him explode physically, right? And he blows up in the restaurant. And this 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 sketch has got to be 50 years old now, you know? Like, yeah, had to be in the 70s. And you look at that, and it's like it instilled the fear in you of overeating like this is what happens to people who overeat they become disgusting and terrible and horrible and all this stuff and it creates the fear that's feeding the resistance to dealing with this issue for you because yeah. you're afraid of that outcome you're so afraid yeah. because it's culturally steeped into you that this is what's going to happen is we lose control in quotes but you've got to yeah. think it's not that it isn't what's going to happen I just want to be all like, well, what have I proved to myself? It is. Well, then now you've got something to work with. <laughs> and then you use a different tool. Like this guy was saying, well, hey, I don't stop eating cake. I personally don't stop eating dough. I'm aware of this. I've tried this, this thing with dough a number of times. I went on a couple of mm-hmm. like, trips to England way back when we were first married when we were living in Europe still. And it was a short trip to England. I was like, all right, I'm going to literally eat every bit of dough I can find until I don't want it anymore. And I ate cookies and I ate bread and I ate all the amazing British ready things there are. But like just as dough, not, not cooked, just as dough. Oh no, cooked, uncooked didn't matter. Any dough I could get my hands on. And after three weeks, I wasn't slowing down. I felt like complete crap. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I hadn't taken a dump in like four days. I felt awful. And I was like, I'm still going to eat that dough. And that was when I came to the realization that for me personally, that was one where it's probably not going anywhere for a long time. So I manage that particular food differently. So How do you manage that? So if, if, if that happened to me with cake, like right. what would, what do you do? So I don't bring cake in my house unless it's a special occasion. So somebody's birthday, cake, okay, no problem. And I can eat as much of it as I want because it's finite, mm-hmm. right? But um, it's not like go out to the store and I can just buy slices of cake here and there whenever I want. Right, and don't do that because I know it will fuel the fire. So mm-hmm. there are a number of foods you will be able to go through this process with and they'll not be dangerous anymore. And then there might be one that for a really long time still is. And I can say that, you know, over years of dealing with the dough thing, because that was 15 years ago, you know, I would say, like 14, right? Probably by the time that we got married. And one of the things that helped me here on wedding cake, and I must have made cake. Ugh like a big ass cake probably once or twice a week for about two months and i didn't want to look at cake for a really long time so i mean i guess in a way i did a sort of extreme version of that but it was there's just so much cake around it was the same flavor cake all the time too which always helps right variety (laughs) is the enemy of (laughs) control god yes you know so it's like it's a balance it's not about having no control but it's about recognizing when you're trying to over-control something so much that you're making it worse. Yeah. So for, for you, with treats, you're over-controlling it so much you're actually driving the, the craving. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, you got to decide when you're ready to face one of them. And you can start with a food that feels like it's not as dangerous as cake. If cake feels like the most dangerous thing, start with something else. But I want cake. Okay. <laughs> I just want them. <laughs> Obviously, I'm really in it. I'm really in it right now. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of YouTube cake decorating. Cakes. <laughs> maybe I need to do... Maybe that's like the thing I need to stop watching. all <laughs> the, Because that seems to be... As soon as I start watching it, I'm just like... Or the Great British Baking Show. I'm like, I need to have this. This will make me so happy. Yeah. And I mean, and that's an obvious like environmental trigger that you can choose to eliminate and then see how your cake cravings go. Right. So, you know, it's like, there's, there's lots of tools available here. You don't yeah. have just like, okay, well, I have a problem with cake. I just eat the cake till I explode. Like that doesn't have to be it. But at some point you do have to deal with that. Yeah. You've got a lot of tools and a lot of options for how you're going to deal with it and when. Yeah. Right. So, okay. You need to choose right now, like, do you want to continue working on focusing on more nutrient dense foods going in for the next week and see if that affects your cravings? Right. Cause sometimes that does. Sometimes just getting enough. Yeah. Like right up. now, I feel like I would go like I would go crazy on a cake right now, but I'm also like I haven't eaten lunch. I'm really, really hungry. So, of course, I feel that way. So, I'm curious to see once I go eat some good chicken and like something really satiating i'm curious to see how that changes or if it does or if i'm like i need to go out and get a cake yeah and if you still do ask that i would encourage you to go get some cake because that means you really are potentially like needing some cake and having some cake will make that go away but it's a really really mature healthy relationship with food response to say i'm curious how this actual nutrient dense food is going to affect this craving that i'm having for something that's not taking me in the right direction that's a tool. You just you just did it automatically from the you know coaching dream you've been on already. You said to yourself like I really want cake, and then you stopped yourself and you thought, Do I really want cake, or am I really hungry because I haven't had lunch and I should probably go find some chicken? Like that's that's taking a longer term view of the immediate feeling you're having, which is what we're working. yeah. So that's great. Yeah. It's working. My brain is working, dude. It's hard. Brains, fuck. So tricky. So tricky. They're so tricky, those fuckers. No, like be on the same team. team. No, (laughs) no, mom. You can't tell me what to do, mom. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope that was helpful, and I hope that you know it takes you that next step that you need to go to try to try to like. Get your head around cake. And also other things that you want to be eat. Because I look at this food here and I see lots and lots of green and I see lots and lots of colors and berries and carrots and all these happy foods, right? And at the end of the day, you should be able to look back at whatever that food journal you kept was, like a photo journal or whatever, and think, yay, that was a happy food day. I enjoyed some of the things that I ate. I ate the things I needed to eat and I feel satisfied by my day. That's my kind of task for you this week is really that's your end of day close out job. Did I feel happy with my food today? And I mean, happy, deeply happy. Like I I met my body's needs. I didn't feel angry about food and I feel satisfied because I had something I really wanted to eat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Let's check in again next week and we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Yeah. Keep kicking ass, Liz. Thank you, Chris. You as well, which I know you will. We'll try.
0: (laughs) Okay. Bye. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors. And let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful.
1: They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. The more you know.